Hello and welcome back to the Holtcast. It's time to dive into Aston Villa's one-all draw with West Ham United, which saw the club secure Premier League safety. <laughs> oh, Cole. Um, unbelievable, right? Unbelievable. Um, this last month has just been something so weird, hasn't it? I'm not used to Villa ending the season so strong. I know we did it last year, but wow. Um, this is the third season finale in the trilogy of seasons we've had. Um, and I, I just, I'm, I'm in, I'm in disbelief of how we've managed to kind of claw this back from the terrible, terrible form we were in. Uh, but it is what it is now. Villa stay up. Um, they got the point that they needed and it is a slender one in the end, but, um, yeah, well done. Well done Villa. I, I just, um, I'm really excited for next season. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how one thing turns to another. We narrowly avoid relegation, and now it's right into next season. But it's not just me and Danny, of course. We have our good buddy here, Neil Dunworth. How you doing, Neil? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you might hear my, my voice is about 10 octaves lower than it normally is. <laughs> um, a lot of roaring at the TV screen done today. Um, it was just one of those games, especially when Arsenal went 3-0 up. Uh, and actually, I tweeted uh, I tweeted out saying the ideal situation would be that Arsenal would go three goals up early and that we could moonwalk around the centre circle with the with uh, West Ham. And Arsenal did their pit and went three three goals up, but I didn't have anything in the tweet about them bringing it, coming back to 3-2 and us having a very, very nervy finish for, for uh, hanging on for our lives. But I'll take it any way we can get it. I, I'm going to say it. Um, I have been optimistic more optimistic I think than most that we would stay up pretty much since Project Restart started I probably like even after the United game um I was always of the opinion that those games that we had played the United the United game the Liverpool game the Wolves games they were never winnable they were never going to be winnable at all and it was a case of getting out of those with decent goal difference and um then basically kick on for the last four games and that's what happened there's always it was always going to be a team that had a good finish or the found form at the right time after Project Restart. And I'm just absolutely delighted that it was us um, and that we stay up. We live to fight another year in the Premier League. And for all those pundits out there, the Roy Keens of this world, um, everybody else that's that, that, that's out there that's kind of really turning their nose up at the fact that Villa stayed up. Um, for me, I can't make any sense of it. We were seven points uh, adrift less than, what, two weeks ago, seven points uh, points adrift, and we basically came into form, got eight points out of out of four games. We deserve to stay up on that basis alone. The league table doesn't lie. The goal goal against Sheffield United isn't an issue. We would have still stayed up by one goal scored. So sure, it was a sure, new point. Sorry, I'm not sure we would have done. Because I think... Um, no? Yeah, let's just, let's just double-check the maths on that. But I think... Because we, cause we, we, we stayed up by one point, right? So yeah. If we no, we would have went down. Yeah, we would have went down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I see what you're saying. <laughs> oh, Sorry, wait. No, we, wouldn't, yeah. we, we wouldn't. We would have been level on points, and we would have had one more goal scored. Oh really? Yeah. I, I, that's that's <laughs> how go, I work. Let's go with it. it. <laughs> let's that's go with it. Let's go with it, man. It doesn't even matter anymore. <laughs> it doesn't really matter anymore. Yeah, I can be. I can be wrong all I want. We're staying up, and that's essentially it. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think it's completely lazy journalism. We were all talking before we started recording of how every media outlet or almost every media outlet, as soon as full time kind of came upon us, was going out there saying, oh, they're only staying alive or stayed up because of the Sheffield United mishap and all this kind of stuff. Unlucky Bournemouth, they deserve to stay up, yada, yada, yada. And I'm here just sitting, Danny, thinking, OK, so... Basically, Bournemouth are only relegated because of one technological mishap, not because they've been poor or anything. Surely not. It's just it wouldn't be that way if it was us going down. Surely. Yeah, I mean, let's not make this out to be the whole West Ham Sheffield United situation with the whole Carlos Tevez Mascherano thing. It's not that, is it? You know, Villa, Villa have had their fair share of bad luck as well. Uh, but it, but it, you know, at the end of the day, it came down to the last game. You know, we we the, the points tally is is the points tally at the at the last game. Every team knows what they had to do. Uh. You know, Watford knew what they had to do. Villa knew what they had to do. Bournemouth knew what they had to do. Bournemouth, you know, gave themselves a great chance of it. Uh, but over the course of the season, gosh, you look at Villa and you just think, how many points dropped? 
how many things didn't go Villa's way? How many times did they just capitulate in the last five minutes? Uh, we play some good football. We're a good side and we are a Premier League quality side. But, you know, we've got to sort out them lapses next season and, and, and maybe maybe the luck will be on our side a little bit more. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, ghost goal, whatever. Do you want to look back at every single game that Bournemouth and Watford played as well and see if a decision didn't go their way? Yeah, like it's a season where everyone had their issues. Something didn't go their way. Some things did, some more than others. It's just part of the game, unfortunately, with all this technology they're bringing in. It's never going to be perfect. And if anything, obviously, we've talked about this at the start of the season and all throughout, Danny. It's like you're putting less onus on the referee to make their own decisions. So therefore, you're relying on technology to basically take all the work. And... If you look at the season as a whole from a Villa perspective, what we had six out of Apostle 39, and then for our last 12 points, we got the last, well, we got 10 out of the last 12, is basically what I'm trying to say. Like, it's a very quick turnaround. This week, we're recording on a Sunday, this will come out on Monday, has been insane. We somehow managed to beat Arsenal and just get enough to scrape survival. And it's kind of as easy as just saying that. We were essentially the worst of a bad bunch, and we have a lot of luck on our side. There's no doubting that. Neil, I'll come to you next, because let's actually kind of get on to the game here. I guess for the first half, if we look at the first half in a whole, what were your biggest concerns? Because for a lot of the first half, I'm sitting there thinking, like, it's in us to concede. I just, from the, for the first 45, I couldn't see us doing anything really positive. Oh, it was very much a, a tepid uh, start to the game from Villa. Uh, very much kind of felt like Dean Smith went out and said nothing stupid early on and played the played the percentages. A lot needed to go against us for us to go down today, even though we were level on points with Watford. Watford's basically Watford shooting themselves in the foot by getting rid of Nigel Nigel uh, Pearson is <laughs> essentially was, was, was a huge piece for us because uh, they've... They've completely, you know, they, they 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 did themselves in and they reap what they sow. So I think Dean Smith was 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 right to do that. Play it smart, get our point, see what way it goes. Uh, and we didn't really attack that much. And and you could see the way even even when it went into the second half, we brought on a lot of defensive uh, options early in the game so that we didn't have any concentration lapses. We knew that Gilbert was only just coming back from injury. He wasn't match fit. And um, Nakamba came in for Conor Horan and we, we kind of shore things up at the back. Um, and that was good to see. But uh, I think it was very much Dean Smith weighted up and the permutations. We had a 67% chance of uh, of staying up regardless um, of, of what way scores went um, if we just drew this game today. So I think he kind of looked at it and said, I'll take those odds. And uh, and he felt he you know he was proved to be proven to be right. We did come out and play a bit more for parts in the second half, but um, also you have to wonder. I know he said that he wouldn't be getting live updates of scores from um, from the Emirates and from um, the Vitality, but you have to think that Arsenal going three goals up had to have something as well to play into play it into his uh, his mindset with regards to that because as long as we draw nothing to Bournemouth Bournemouth could have won 15 nil and it wouldn't have made any blind bit of difference so um it was proven to be right you know history will remember everything every decision that was made in that game will be proven to have been the correct decision because uh, we got the point that we needed and we ended up staying up and I I for one uh, applaud Dean Smith for that yeah, yeah but we no. should have we should have done after spending 110 million the right goal. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> like, I, I think the biggest... Oh, I was being sarcastic. Well, yeah, but the funniest <laughs> thing, if I'm going to say anything right now, uh, shout out to James Rust- Rushton, because um, a lot of people are going, oh, like, we didn't do a Fulham. And then obviously he comes out and says, like, we didn't do a Fulham. And then he kind of, like, uh, I can't remember, he had, like, a picture with it. And then he put another one out and said, like, actually, we did do a Fulham. And it was, like, when they barely survived relegation under Roy Hodgson. And it was almost like kind of the same way we did. So like, it's just kind of funny how those little kind of uh, storylines go. Um, but if we kind of go back into the game, Danny, it's it's a tricky one. It wasn't really much in it for the first half. We got away with Antonio missing an absolute sitter. I don't know how we got away with that. They then take off Antonio. Um, and I can't remember the other player they brought off as well. But in the 46th minute, they brought in Yarmolenko and Sebastian Allaire. And to be honest, if anything, it played into Villa's hands. 
Um, who's this directed to? Uh, me or That's me or Neil? Who do you want to come that in? Me, you. yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was a big. That was a big decision, dude. It was a really big decision. It was huge because um, I thought that Michel Antonio for the first half generally, and I, and don't get me wrong, I think West Ham dominated possession in the second half as well. But particularly in the first half, uh, Michel Antonio one getting in behind, just having that engine on him. Um, you know, getting in behind and uh, nearly, you know, really, really troubling Villa. Uh, nearly. Nearly uh, tapping it past Pepe Reina, just going with the outside of this for, mm. for, for him. Um, but then also he was dropping back a lot and, and, and helping out, helping out the West Ham attack. So basically, let's 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 get this straight, right? The the the, the West Ham midfield is an absolute engine room, right? Mm. It is it is an engine room full of cogs and gears. Mark Noble, Declan Rice, and uh, Sushek as well. All three of them running running their, their their socks off even though it's the last game of the season and they're already on their holidays um they they, they wanted to put in a performance but Michel Antonio was dropping back a lot and doing that whereas what you've got with Sebastian Haller is he's a lot more of a target man now once he comes on you you, you think you know West Ham that they, they, they want to get goals they get a proper striker up there obviously paid a lot for him in the summer but uh, he's just not going to work as, as 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 much as Michel Antonio and I think ultimately it was a it was a bad decision from David Moyes yeah, it, it's kind of interesting, too, because they, like, fair play to West Ham, they could have easily rested, like, a load of their team and just kind of put youth out there and played it out. They have really nothing to play for. They're clearly, obviously, like, they're safe. They can't go down. So, fair play to them for going for it. You know, David Moyes probably isn't going to just sit there and take an absolute walloping by any means. So, fair play to them. They didn't make it easy on us. But I think the thing that still disappoints me is I, I I can understand the nerves from a Villa perspective but I, I think the thing especially coming out of the first half and going to the second half the, the urgency it was just it wasn't there until probably after the 50th minute it just didn't really seem like we could get anything going like the first I, you'd have to say probably 50 odd minutes we're just playing down Jack's left hand side like there was no balls on the right hand side we weren't really spreading them out like that plays to, like you said, Danny, an engine of a midfield like West Ham have. It plays to them like a T because essentially, as soon as we break down, they have two midfielders that are easily able to kind of get into their attack and set up someone like Mikel Antonio to get onto an opportunity. And like I said before, we were a little bit lucky, but nonetheless, we rode that out. But if we're going to kind of go over the two minutes of goals in this game, because you have Jack Grealish in the 84th minute getting a goal that probably <laughs> should have been saved. It was right at uh, Flappy Hansky there um, in the 84th minute. <laughs> yeah, yes. And uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people, it's kind of funny. I, I don't know if it was uh, Joe Cole or someone else. They, they were basically slating Fabianski for not saving that. And then the other commentator comes in and goes, well, he absolutely hammered that. And I'm thinking, well, I, I'm sure he's probably saved a lot harder. It's great to be 1-0 up. We're in dreamland. And then, Neil, it's right away. It's 1-0. What were your thoughts on the West Ham goal? Because as soon as that went in, I'm thinking, oh, no, this this might be the end of us. <laughs> oh, that that goal was crazy. I, when Yarmolenko came on, I really like him as a player. It seems, yeah, you know, every time, every time you see him, he, he does something dangerous. I would love to have that presence and that kind of tacking ability to be able to bring off the bench. Um and let's not forget that, that West Ham invested heavily in those players over the course of this summer as well, you know, but that goal that he scored, the second it came off, I initially thought it came off Courtney Howe's, uh, or was it Nakamba's heel, the back of his heel, and it looped up because it was such a strange deflection, um, but the second it went into the air, I actually, um, I knew it was going in, I just, I remember I got a, I, I don't know what I did, but I ended up tripping over the a coffee table, um, and I I didn't actually see it in real time. I had to wait for the for the <laughs> deflection or for the replay. But um, uh, Pepe Reina didn't move his feet at all. It seemed like when it looped up into the air, he kind of completely lost it. And when he got back to it, he just got his fingertips to it. So potentially, I, if he had started to backpedal quicker, you know, he might have been able to save that. But it was a wicked deflection. My heart was in my mouth after that because. You know they scored that, and obviously we got we got our goal late, and late goals win games. It was about eighty fourth minute, and then in the eighty fifth minute, Yarmolenko gets gets his goal as well. But it was nervy. Um, I I basically I just kept on roaring at the screen, take it into the corner, 
for the next 10 minutes and they did and John McGinn um, does his little trick He's he must have the strongest strongest backside in all of football because he does it all around the field he manoeuvres people around by just cocking his arse in the way and moving them <laughs> around the place and he went into the into the corner flag and I, I couldn't think of anyone better to have the ball there and um, you know we just wound down the clock but thankfully you know as I say that we had the presence of mind to do that and we had leadership on the field that, that were able to see that that uh, you know, they, they didn't let this define them. You could see it in Jack Grealish's face. He went from the elation of scoring the goal, hometown hero, keeping his kid up, it was li- or keeping his team up. Um, it was literally like something from Hollywood. And then he get a ball to flex off him, and you could just see him. He, he looked he looked distraught, but he didn't look like he, he was beaten, if that makes any sense. And uh, he dragged his midfield. Like, our midfield became a, a, a machine after that, and we, we kind of dictated the play a small bit Douglas Louise kept things tight and I was happy with how we responded for the last uh, five minutes plus the four minutes the longest four minutes in history of injury time but um, yeah it was definitely one of those freak goals and one of those goals that could only happen against Villa to try and make things a small bit tighter for us but we we weathered the adversity and and came out the other side smiling two things there right sorry what were you going to say Cole I was going to ask you something actually go for it go for it go for it if this was to summarize our season, that goal, would that summarize it to you? <laughs> oh, yeah, totally, man. It's 100%. So, like, Villa are 1-0 Villa, Villa up. They've got, they've got security. They've got safety. Guys, let's chill out now, right? Let's calm down. Let's, you know, let's not play with any nerves. Boom, two minutes later, Yamalenko deflection. <laughs> what what can you say? It's it's Villa for you. It's Villa, it's Villa to a T. It's Ed. This was the Everton game. This was exactly what happened in the Everton game, albeit West Ham were a better were a better opposition. Um, interesting, you should talk about Yarmolenko coming off the bench there as well. By the way, uh, Neil, you you know you know this whole narrative that Villa spent a ridiculous amount of money and all that, right? Mm-hmm. West Ham, West Ham spent combined. I've just done the calculations off transfer marked. Off the of the four players that came off the bench for West Ham, West Ham spent between 100 and 110 million on them. That's yep. that's that's the power of West Ham, right? West Ham should never have been in this relegation fight. So that's that's one thing. It's, they, they are a tough team. And I think, you know, I, I was worried when, when all of those players came off the bench. Like Moyes was really, um, really out there to get a win over Villa. And also, you mentioned Jack Grealish's face afterwards too. I don't know if you noticed the little exchange between him and Yarmolenko um, when, when that mm, ball yeah. went up for a throw-in. <laughs> I, I really want to know what Yarmolenko said to him. Oh, like, you know what? Like, I'm looking at the lineups here and the substitutes for both teams. We, Dean Smith, we have to give him all the credit in the world, to be honest. He has done a hell of a job with the players that he has at his disposable. Like, I just, I look at that bench and it is so championship. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how the hell we got out of this. It's unreal. And you know what? A lot of the, you can say internally with Villa fans, neutral fans, um, fans that hate Villa, whatever. They all said we're done. They said there's no unity in this team. Well, you know what? If you stayed on and watched that game after the final whistle, you've seen them in a huddle waiting for that to be confirmed. You cannot tell me that there isn't coherence and friendship and unity in that team. Maybe it's not the strongest. Maybe it's not the best. Maybe we could have got more out of this team. But nonetheless, Neil, we did it, and that's all that matters. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and like when my mind moved straight to, okay, how do we strengthen this team? How do we make it? How do we make it better for next year after the the final whistle? I had to had to make a bit of a journey today, for about an hour and a half, two hour car journey today, and and that's what I was thinking about on the, on the journey. And I was thinking for myself. The back four look okay. The the midfield we do need some reinforcements, bringing things off the bench. Even though we could bring the Camba and the, uh, off the bench, and obviously our our additions are going to be needed in the striking areas and in and in the the um the the w- areas of wingers, depending on who we lose as well. But I kept I went back as well and I kept on thinking about what Dean Smith and his pr- said in his press conference about building a culture at a club, building a team. The fact that the, the Douglas Luiz only came in two days before the Spurs game. And it just makes so much sense that the players, 
we we can talk about the amount of money they spent as well. But a first time manager in the Premier League with eleven new players that we had to buy, and we don't want to go down that road again of spending money and spending for the sake of it. We didn't do that. We spent it out of necessity as opposed to being frivolous just because we had come up. And it takes time to gel for those players to gel. We had a lot of injuries during the during the year. We didn't have that many injuries uh, since Project Restart happened, thankfully, especially in the central areas within, within the team. And we allow partnerships to develop. Like that, that midfield three, that partnership developed over the course of the last nine games. Uh, we developed two two defensive partnerships. I think I, I'm very confident in Courtney Howes and Tyrone Mings. I'm very confident in Ezri Kanzar and Tyrone Mings being a, a defensive partnership. I think the, both of them worked. And also we developed partnerships on the wings as well. Whether, but these were a bit more fluid, obviously, because we did lose our left back and our right back at certain times during Project Restart. So... I think more so the stability of the team. A lot of fans look at it, look at it and go, uh, oh, same team as the last day. And some fans see that as a negative, but it's not. If you look back at through all of Alex Ferguson's reign, he would very rarely make, make changes for the sake of it. It's a case that he would need to. Um, and uh, uh, he, he would need to, need to kind of build that stability, build that core group. And once you've built that, then you can chop and change then from other places and are maybe around the fringes of that. And I think that's what we saw in Project Restart. And I hope we continue to see this as we go through into next season and we can see a splattering of that, um, I suppose that those flair players are those more uh, maybe established internationals that we can maybe bring off the bench as well, like West Ham were able to do. Because being stable and within this league allows you to attract better talent. And I, I also am going to go back to Christian Perslow and what he said, that it's not the transfer fees that you spend that will bankrupt you as a club. It is the wages and you need to be a, st- uh, an established Premier League team for three, four, five years to be able to do that. And he actually even referenced Bournemouth and he referenced Watford and he referenced um, uh, Crystal Palace as well. The fact that they've had a bit of a lo- bit of longevity within the Premier League allows them to actually attract better players that Villa can't just come up and... You know, while we did spend 140 million, we can't just come up and and buy players and start paying them massive wages because we will fall victim of financial fair play. And uh, when you think of it and you break it down, we only spent roughly about 9.4 million on each player, which by Premier League standards is nothing really anyway. So, mm. yeah, it's uh, that was a long-winded answer to say that I think the core group of the team is good. That Dean Smith has gotten it together. The stability is is playing a big part I'd even look at maybe keeping uh, Pepe Reina uh, if we can maybe get him in a short term deal I know we're going to have Tom Heaton coming back but things seem to work uh, with Pepe Reina back there as well Um, and look I think we can look forward to next year with with a good sense of optimism that we do have some good players provided we can keep them over the course of this summer the players that we come in should be able to complement this core group very very well I think that's the thing, Neil, like, you know, very well said, like, there is a decent core in this Villa team. It's just, how do you move forward? You know, how do you emulate what Wolves have done, for example, right? How do you, how do you turn this team into Europa League standard? I think that's, that's where Villa needs to start looking, right? Let's, how can we finish seventh or eighth? How can we, you know, finish top of the table? And, you know, it's going to be to do with coherence. You're not going to do that by replacing everybody. You can't look at Konza and go, right, He's okay, but he's you know he's not he's not he's not the best player in the world. Let's you know, let's let's bring in a 30 million centre back. What about Matty Target? He goes forward well, but you know he's, he's not um, you know he's not amazing defensively. Right, let's bring in a 30 million pound left back. Let's bring in another 30 million pound midfielder. Let's bring in another 30 million pound striker. You can't you can't just you know go around basically fantasy spending. You know you've got to look at those players and think where can we strengthen. And I think you know I think the winger. Wingers, you know, we, we probably need to bring in one or two, you know, attacking um, players in that sense that are that are top class and that would get into a, you know, a, into a top half team. So depending on whether or not Grealish goes, but, you know, you've got a good core in that midfield. We probably need another central midfielder, another top class central midfielder. Um, but I think it's going to be very different to last season. I think what we're going to do now is bring in, you know, good players who are going to complement what we've got. And I think that's that's going to be the main thing, isn't it? Just complement what we've already got, but you know the the interesting thing is with with Villa, you almost don't quite know what it is that needs sorting out. Like because they made a lot of defensive errors, but that that won't get solved by by bringing in really expensive players, will it? You know the the, the, the kind of errors that Villa made and the kind of that you know to to fix what it was that made Villa drop so many points this season. That's that's not going to be it. 
And this is going to probably be the quickest like turnaround in terms like this transfer windows for every team is going to be mental. Like the amount of things mm-hmm. that are going to go on like a speed of light kind of thing. You're going to see, I wouldn't be shocked if we see certain Villa players leave um, within a matter of days. Like they're basically off as soon as the window happens. I wouldn't be shocked if there's already a one or two players um, that are on the minds of the owners and management and all that kind of stuff. It, it's going to be a really quick turnaround. It's going to be, I, I think, especially on the whole Jack Grealish thing, I think it's going to be very interesting and kind of obvious within probably the next week or so um, yeah. what's going on there because we're at a position of strength. We don't really have to sell. He's on a long-term contract. Well done ownership on doing that. And mm-hmm. obviously we're still in the Premier League. So if you want him, you're going to pay top dollar. So, and it's hard to say too, because what does top dollar look like in a pandemic world? That's kind of hard to say, but um, guys, I'm going to read out a few uh, Twitter uh, comments here because I did ask people to uh, get involved. Of course, if you want to get involved, it's at 7,500 to hold. Thank you to the 20 odd or so that commented and to the almost 100 that actually liked the post. Um, so I'll just read out a few here. Um, Eddie M says supporting a Premier League side from the States can be hard. Supporting a championship side from the States can be really hard. Supporting Villa anywhere is brutal. Just glad all this collective misery doesn't need to compound itself in brackets again. Uh, Then we had uh, Darby Allen saying heart rate is just about back to normal. Following Villa is never boring. Promotion uh, didn't look possible last season and survival in it didn't seem realistic. Up the Villa, uh, just a few more here. Uh, Mike Hingley says, a mixture of relieved and elated. I can't believe we stayed up on 35 points. Uh, Positive note, League Cup runners up and stayed in the Premier League. Not a bad season, really. Um, And where was the next one? There it is. David Bladden says, massive effort to stay up. I think the jury is still out on Smith at this level. Uh, The squad and staff, um, a lot of work left over the summer. We'll get into the Dean Smith here in a second Um, (laughs) because it's kind of interesting. Let's came out. Uh, Two more here. Uh, Tyrell Furlow saying, think we are in a great position to keep the core of the team, maybe less Jack and build a quality Premier League squad. Heaton, Mings, Konza, Louise, McGinn, Wesley. Uh, The future is exciting, even more exciting next year. Starts in less than two months. And the the last one's just funny to me. Um, It's kind of like a whole uh, Anchorman thing where, like, I love Lamp. Um, Goalie Goat 35 says, words cannot describe my elation. All in caps, person, man, woman, camera, TV. Um, so that's how excited he is. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if you nice, kind of have, if, there. if you've seen Anchorman, <laughs> you kind of understand what I'm going at with that. So thank you once again for getting involved. To all you guys, thank you for your support during the 2019, 2020 season. It's been very greatly appreciated. Nonetheless, Danny, um, you know what? Let's do uh, man of the matches, and then we'll get on to the Dean Smith chat. Okay, man of the match. So this was going to be, I think, a bit difficult because do you go over performance or do you go over the moment? Because I think performance-wise, I was very, very tempted to go with Freddie Gilbert. I thought he'd had a fantastic game out there. Uh, just, you know, some of the tackles he was making and, and you know, uh, going forward, supporting supporting the team. Um, I thought John McGinn had a very good game as well, covering, covering ground, working hard in that midfield where... Obviously, it needed to be done. Douglas Louise once again, but I think I'm going to go with Jack Grealish because of the goal. Uh, I thought that he had a very, yeah, he had a very solid game. I think first half maybe wasn't his best, but second half he definitely came out there, and uh, we, we really needed him to come out and, and do something in this in this relegation scrap. We really needed him to come out, and you know, even even you know, for himself, for the fans, for you know, if this was his last game. You know, he really needed something that was going to give Villa fans some closure. And I think that, you know, that that moment was 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 it right there. So I'm going to go Jack Grealish. Fair enough. Neil, how about you? Yeah, I agree. I was actually torn between uh, between uh, Matty Target and Jack Grealish. Uh, I thought that they, Target saw so much of the ball down his wing and um, had by far the most touches of any Aston Villa player in this game as well. And 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 he dealt pretty admirably, I think, with the with the pressure that came down his wing and he got up the up the line forward. He's really grown on me as a player, Matty Target. I had some very kind of long winded. Um, and this uh, kind of despair-filled monologues about ta- Matty Target at the start of his career with Aston Villa, because of the fact that, if you'll excuse the pun, 
the other teams did target him and we played an awful <laughs> lot down down that side uh, but they, like the majority of attacks would happen on the left hand side and and because he had to overlap so much I thought he played really well but Jack Grealish for me I thought was was uh, man of the match for us uh, controlled the game whenever he got the ball uh, got scored a captain's goal and um, yeah just delighted that that he, he he did something as I say in such a big game um, he gets a lot of stick and and, and he, like people picking him especially in the media and so on like you hear that he's not mentally strong enough and I don't know how anybody can base anything on that considering that he basically dragged us up from the championship on his own there was, there was times this year where he just dragged us back into games he's ended up as our top scorer I think he finished up with what is it 10 goals this year and uh, numerous assists so like He's been a quality, quality player uh, over the course of this year, and I was just delighted that he could cap off the year by being the local hero, as I say, the club captain that scores the goal that keeps us in the Premier League when nobody gave us a chance more than not more than two weeks ago. So Jack Grealish, my man, I match. But his head had looked a little bit in the clouds since the restart. I mean, don't you agree, Neil? There has been I just games think... where where he's you know he's he's just been he's just missed a step a little bit and kind of fluffed his chances and at times run into defenders and stuff. But I, I think I think a lot of that has to do more so with uh, number one playing in a different position, playing out stuck out on the left, and number two, just the rustiness and 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 dust off the cobwebs, you know, the team not being able to be together and with the team being a fo- him being a folk area, it was a case of um clubs could just come in or other other teams should I say could just come in and say, Right, if we mark Jack Grealish, we take the spark out of it because the team wasn't functioning as a team. We didn't have mm. a kind of a holistic approach from back to front. And that's why in the last four games we've started to get points because you can see that holistic approach. You can see the ball goes through Douglas Louise more. You can see Trezeguet being a bit more um uh, industrious when he gets the ball and and actually trying to get on the ball, Conor Horan able to spray it around inside there. So they kind of took the impetus off it just being a case of get the ball to Jack and see what happens. Um, and I think that that's really why he struggled at the start of Project Restart, along with the fact that he said he didn't feel fit when he came back. You know, and and I don't really blame the guy for that because you could be fit, you just can't be match fit. Obviously, if you don't play games, so uh, that's why I would say that he would look a small bit sluggish and lethargic. Um, and it, it's difficult for him when he was the only, literally the only outlet for Villa um, for long periods of this year. I think I think what it tells me as well is that more than anything, Villa need to get. I think the key thing, the key thing, Villa really need to get um, get somebody on that right hand side who can you know who can control the game. Somebody somebody who Villa can yeah. switch it to, right? You know, somebody other than Jack because it is it is just Jack on that left wing, just you know doing the entire thing, isn't it? And um, no offense to Trezeguet, who's you know come in there with some with some top goals. I'd keep I'd keep him, you know, just for um just for the sake oh, yeah. of like you know impact goals and that kind of thing. But uh, I, I think what it tells you is yeah, if 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 Villa had uh, Villa had a Grealish on the left hand side. And say like an extreme version of Shota on the right hand side, <laughs> you know things could have been a bit different. That kid that they're looking at buying from further Bremen is it Rashika, Rashika. Yeah, um, Rashika, yeah. Uh, yeah, he looks he looks to be a talent. He looks to be a talent that can play out in that wing as well. It's gonna cost a lot of money. Um, and they, like those rumors don't won't go away. They haven't gone away since. The end of last year and 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 even in January and uh, his name keeps on getting pushed to the top. Even He's Ben Rama, yeah, I, I, I think we I think we will spend a lot of money on players, but not just not the same amount of players if that makes sense. But um, yeah, yeah, I think somebody like that. Even I, I nearly even like Ben Rama. There's a lot of talk about Ben Rama and uh, going on, and obviously Dean Smith likes him. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what he can do. Brentford losing their uh, their tie today, one um, 0 to to Swansea as well, could mean that uh, his his you know he they might not get promoted if they don't get promoted. I certainly don't see him being in that league anymore. But can he cut it at the Premier League level? I suppose we won't know. Um, Rashica is Eze. Oh, Eze is just Eze is just fun. That's what he is. He just looks so 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 fun. Um, but once again, QPR are going to look for mega bucks for him as well, and he's a guy that you know you would look at paying it because he's a uh, he's he just looks like a really really fun and good footballer. Um, and at 22 years of age, he's going to grow into himself as well, and 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 we could be looking you could be looking at somebody who's good for years to come. 
Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. Um, if I just go back to the man of the match thing, I was just going to say mine's Grealish as well. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <What> about <laughs> sorry. You forgot about your call. It's okay. I'm st- it's okay. I'm still here, guys. It's it's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah, mine mine's in a bit a bit of an emotional one. Um, I tweeted before the game, just saying like I hope he goes out with an absolute banger. If if this is his last game for Villa, um, and he did just that, like the man actually like I actually cried when that goal went in because the fact that I didn't feel like I was gonna get sick for at least a minute until obviously we conceded. <laughs> um just made me feel so much better i don't know it's just like it's a lot when when you support a team especially from abroad um neil can definitely feel this as well being in ireland um obviously maybe not to an extent i can because i'm feels like i'm light years away but uh being so far away not always not really having the money at at the best of times to get over there and then all this pandemic thing kind of putting everything to that side um and just doing this podcast for this year and stuff I've done in the past, like I, I just putting a lot of time and effort, I guess what I'm saying into Villa has made me a very emotional fan. <laughs> so um, I just kind of have to give it to him. But anyways, let's let's move on back to the transfer talk because it seems a lot more positive and I don't need to get emotional again because I think that's the last thing we need to do. Um, actually, you know what? Screw that. Let's get on to the Dean Smith talk um, because. Uh, right before we were about to record, Danny messaged or mentioned something interesting. And Danny, what was that? Yeah, there's some reports going around on Twitter um, at the moment. It's just reports um, coming out of Portugal that Dean Smith would get, you know, is 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 getting replaced by Bruno Large, who's the ex-Benfica manager. Uh, won the double in Portugal in 2019. Uh, won the title with them and won the Portuguese Cup, uh, but. You know, subsequently had a had a, had a poor run at the end of um, the 2019-2020 season and and was sacked by them. Uh, yeah, no, it's as I say, it's just it's just reports coming out from Portugal. No no way to know how um, substantial they are or how much truth there is in it. But I think it goes into the wider discussion because I don't think anybody's thinking or talking about this really at the moment, or not until that started coming out. But you know, Dean Smith. I always said if if Villa go down, they should keep Dean Smith. You know, he's 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 got a lot of experience from this Premier League division. He's he's, he's aged and got better throughout it. But it, there is a discussion now, isn't there? There is a discussion that is probably going to be had, potentially going to be had, um, without with the with with the risk of doing a Watford. Do Villa now look at Dean Smith and go, well, we want to achieve more. We need somebody better. Because Southampton did it with Nigel Adkins, got rid of him, brought in Mauricio Pochettino, and that worked for them. Personally, if you asked me, my inclination would be that uh, it's not going to happen because Dean Smith, in the at the end of it, having kept us up, considering all the sort of uh, all the sort of getting together and chemistry that had to be built over the course of the season. I'm not so sure that the uh, getting rid of him would be the would be the right idea. Uh, we've got a we've got a good manager who's a Brummy, who's a Villa fan, uh, and I think we need to take advantage of what he's learned this year. Yeah, and it's it's kind of weird too because before this randomly coming out, and I think we were linked with him before, so it could just be brought up again just to stir the pot. Um, and of course, being before, of course, when Dean Smith wasn't the manager, um, and that whole mess was still happening. Um, it, it's kind of interesting too because if you look at some of the players we're being linked with, obviously you're getting some of the championship players at the top end um, that are probably too good for that league now. Uh, we're being linked with, I think, was it Reading's John Smith? Obviously, uh, Ben Rahama is another one. Um, as a, a, there's just some Dean Smith signings in there. I don't know. That could be journalism just making easy links too. So from my personal opinion, I think it's just a load of crap. Like if obviously they're going to have an end of the year, end of the season kind of review, they'll go over objectives. If you look at it, we went to a cup final and we avoided relegation. I don't know if you really, maybe you didn't, obviously no one wanted to go down to the last day. It did. We survived, but nonetheless, we're still here. So I don't know how much you judge that. And uh, Neil said this perfectly. It was a perfect comparison before we started recording. It's very Remy Gard-esque. Like, I, I just, I don't see the benefit of it. It just seems very strange. Maybe it, maybe it does happen. Maybe it does work. But I'm very skeptical about this. Maybe it's just because it's a lack of knowledge as well about this 
potential change in management. But nonetheless, Neil, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's, I'm always skeptical of something like this that breaks directly afterwards, you know, after an event, <laughs> um, whether it's, uh, you know, there's there's lots of reasons it could be that this could be brought out. Um, like, it we came from Orhorgor, I think is what they're called in, in uh, Portugal. Um, yeah. If I butchered that, that's somebody else. Oh, Jogo, yeah. But, yeah, so it's... Uh, Look, it's it's originated in Portugal. A lot of the report stems from the fact that it's all there's lots of kind of qualifying language in it that, that makes me kind of be a bit skeptical about it. Like if Villa stay up, should Villa beat the be beat the drop? Um, it references the fact that uh, that our owners wanted to speak to this guy before we hired Dean Smith as well, and it didn't tra- it didn't transpire. So for me, it seems like it might have been a rehashed story um, that was brought out at this time because Villa are actually trending from staying up in the in the league, and there's a lot of a lot of conversation about Aston Villa at the moment. So potentially that could be something you know, a uh, good time to get clicks, I suppose, and and somebody might have seen their uh, seen their opportunity. But should it come to um, should have come to pass, and and he does uh, that. That they do replace Dean Smith with um, with this guy. Then I think I would like in the call light of day to maybe reflect on it and see what it is at the moment. My knee jerk would be screw that, that. That Dean Smith should be given another goal, another uh, and another run with with Aston Villa. And I I think that would probably come down on that side. But I'd like to see maybe um, I'd like to look at it in the call light of day if it happens. Um, and this is coming from somebody who has been a, an absolute a vehement Dean Smith supporter throughout the whole course of this year. I thought it was madness and mentalness to think that you wanted to get rid of him before Project Restart or even just after um, after Christmas. And think about this as well, guys. Just think about this too. Uh, these new owners gave him a bumper four-year contract at Christmas time as well. Are they really going to turn around six months later after him keeping his keeping us in the uh, in the division? And get rid of him. This guy Bruno Large to come in, he could be new technical director. It could have, you know, we know that Suso is on a hot is on a hot seat at the moment. You know, he's not very his position isn't isn't very comfortable because of the way the transfers were done. So maybe this guy might be coming in as a technical director or no, something to work over Dean Smith too. He's a straight up coach. He's a straight up coach. So I mean, I, 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 I don't, I don't believe. So was Steve Round. Steve Round is a straight-up coach. He came in. He's worked as technical director. You know, these guys might they might have a different okay. view for it, but uh, we'll see. We'll see why. We'll yeah, see why. Okay. It could just be all all hot air from Portugal as well. I mean, like I think it's it, it's interesting. Uh, Bruno Lage would would be a good manager. Don't get me wrong. I think it, I'd be excited. You know, if 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 it happened, but at the same time, I'm excited right now uh, to to kind of mm-hmm. see the future under Dean Smith. And look, I, I, as you, as you say, look, they gave him a four year contract that at Christmas. What 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 could have changed since then? You know, we were in a relegation battle then. We're still in a re- you know we were in a relegation battle now. I and mean, what were they expecting to happen over January? Do you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Got to a League Cup final since then too. Let's not forget that. I think when you look at the season as a whole, when you forget where where we were it's you know we, we've stayed up and uh, i think i think fair play to dino um i think the style of football he plays is nice um when he allows himself to well when he allows villa to to do what they do best you know is the, the only time that dean smith has faulted for villa the, the main time that dean smith has faulted for villa this season has been when he's gone away from his principles and i think he's learned over the la- over the course of the last few games especially since the especially since the restart that if villa just you know push that a little bit higher up if villa play with their attack and trust each other on the ball he can do a real good job with us and i think i think that's it i think i think we're built for that too um the coaching staff sure people maybe need to have a look at maybe villa needs to have a look at them but um Dino Dino's done a tremendous job, and we have to we have to thank him for it. Um, and and, and to be honest, he's a hero for the club. And that, this is the second time he's done this now. It's the second time where he's engineered a finish for us, which just was was not in sight. Last year there was no way we were gonna get um we were gonna get promotion, and this year it almost felt like there was no way we were gonna stay up considering how we played. But he's he's engineered it back to us, and I think you know I, I think it would be weird weird I think is the word if we, if we were to get rid of him. Yeah, and if anything, I think we can all agree, like, we need consistency. Um, when I think yep. of Dean Smith, I, I don't think of the same playing style as a Sean Dyche, but I like the consistency that Burnley have. They're sticking with their man, and they believe in their man. 
and there's like I said before consistency uh, special mention um, <laughs> to this random Twitter account because they put uh, Jack Grealish in a Peaky Blinders outfit um, outside Villa Park and said by order of Jack Grealish I just wanted to mention that because that's what, that's also weird because that, that's Peaky Blinders Blues fans yeah. Mm. Yeah, but still, it's, <laughs> it's it's quality. I'll share it with you guys after. It's actually it's hilarious. It. But uh, yeah, if you just type in Aston Villa, it's like it was like tweeted like four hours ago. So <laughs> special mention to that. But yeah, like we just need consistency. But Neil, I'll come to you next, and then we'll go to Danny, and I'll finish it off before we wrap things up. If you were gonna um, give this season a grade and give Dean Smith a grade um, of, we'll we'll do a uh, like an A plus a B kind of. Th- we'll do it uh, alphabetically. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you give? Um, I give overall for the for for club Aston Villa. I think I give it a C minus. Um, and that's being objective. I'm I'm a very positive guy. I'm delighted with where we finished. But um, just because we stayed in the league doesn't mean that I'm 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 not happy that we didn't finish 10th, 11th, 12th. I think we could have we could have pushed higher. When you look at teams like Crystal Palace finishing as high in the league as they did. When you look at teams like like Southampton finishing as high as they did in the league and Aston Villa scraping scraping by at 17th um, I've all, I'm I'm always optimistic that the Villa could stay in the league but um it still doesn't mean that I I, I can't I haven't been looking at it I suppose a kind of a critical eye or casting an eye over it but C minus I think for the club um I do think that uh that while I've been a vehement defender of the transfer policy that that, that happened I do think that um you know that I wouldn't be a massive fan of Suso coming, uh, staying on to do it again this year. From that point of view, I think the club takes a massive hit from our gradings. Um, also, we have, um, I suppose, really the, the, the that's that's really the main thing. That's really the main reason. There there have been some people who came in that just that were they t- they they needed a lot of betting in time, and um, I think that the strategy or the plan was maybe a small bit arrogant from Aston Villa's point of view to let so many people go and to get so many people in. Um, am I you know I couldn't see any other way that they could have done it myself. I don't have a solution to the problem, but I think that that was a, a bit of an issue for this club, especially during the mid part of the season. I think Dean Smith, I give Dean Smith a higher grade. I give Dean Smith a B. Um, I've been very high on Dean Smith. I I know a lot of people don't like the tactics. A lot of people want to, uh, and I know you mentioned there, Danny, that when things go right, it, it can be nice and it can be free flowing when he when he sticks to his uh, to, to what he's supposed to do. But I think he was hampered an awful lot by injuries this year to key players. I think he was hampered an awful lot by um you know some players not having the heart for the fight. And I think that he's you know a lot of the time his hands was tied with regards to the to the personnel that he had um, at times during this course of the year but I think that he he has coached very well I think he spotted a lot of issues that the team had especially during Project Restart when we were um, in downtime with coronavirus and since we've come back he's made it a lot harder to beat and uh, obviously as you said he has brought us to a cup final and we've stayed in the Premier League and I think that everybody would bite their would have bitten your hand off at that at the start of the season so I think the overall club I think I would give maybe a C- and I think that um, Dean Smith I would give a B Fair enough. Danny, how would you rate the club and then Dean Smith? Um, I was going to say D, but I think um, I think Neil's convinced me to maybe go a little bit higher, so I'm going to go D+. Plus. <laughs> uh, okay. Because, because at the end of the day, it's the 17th, man. This is 17th. It was as close as we could have gotten to relegation. You know, like an E would have been relegation, uh, whatever you say, and then F would have been finishing bottom. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with D+. Plus. I think at the end of the day, there were players in that team that didn't have the heart for the fight, as as um, as Neil said. You know, there there, there were there was times during that season where it looked like, and I know this isn't the case, and I know we can't we can't make these criticisms of footballers all the time, but it, it was times during the season where it looked like there were players who were just you know not bothered. You know, Villa one 0 up, cool, that's it, game over. And there was too much of that, way too much of that. I really, if 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 that group of players had fought like Sheffield United's unit had, you know, maybe Villa would have done a lot better. But I think, you know, for Dean Smith, it's different, isn't it? Because we had Wesley who, who got injured. We had, who, you know, looked like he was working hard to get back um, into scoring form. Heaton got injured. McGinn was injured. Mings was injured. You know, it's, 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 it was, it's definitely been tough and, and somehow we managed to do it. But I think, uh, yeah, D plus Villa, I think for Dean Smith, I'll probably go with a C. I still think he could have done better. But it's a decent um, 
first season. You know, it's a decent rookie season in the Premier League for him. And I think he'll do better next year, hopefully. But, you know, make no mistake about it. This was not a great season for Villa. This was not a, you know, this was, this was not where they should have been with the group of players they had. Well, that's fair. Um, if I say it quickly, uh, club-wise, C-. minus. Um, like, some transfers paid off. Clearly, others didn't. Um, I think the club has to and hopefully did learn from a lot of the mistakes um, of certain players. And I just can't see some of those players here next season. It just, I don't know. There's too much chop and change. Obviously that was one issue going into the season. So I can give a little bit of slack there. I probably would have went for a D if that was the case and we didn't have to, but um, I'll be a little bit easier there. Um, Dean Smith, I'll give him a B minus. You know what? A cup final and surviving is all I asked. Should it have been done earlier and easier? Hell yes, we should have been on, on at least 40 points, in my opinion. Um, we majorly unraveled against big teams and key games where we should have gotten something. And I think that was kind of the crux this season where it left us wondering if we can stay up. So I think I'll have to leave it there. But uh, guys, if we don't have anything else, I think we can wrap it up. Danny, do you have anything else you want to mention? I don't want to stop talking, man. I I I, <laughs> I, I, I love the fact that we're we're looking ahead to next year. Uh, what 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 do we do next season? What do we do over the summer? What where what is the what is the target, so to speak? Um, mid table, I'd say build upon it. Like I I would love Europa League next season, but I'm not going to be. I think that's a little too much. I think just being comfortable, not worrying about relegation, and kind of being well clear of that. It's the next aim, and then you can kind of build upon that after. How about you, Neil? Yeah, I, I'm. Look, it's it. Once again, I I don't know where we're going to finish in the league. I don't I don't know what my expectations are at the moment. We're going to need to see a quick turnaround, um, from with regards to player acquisition, and then I I I probably make a call on it. But I would be using maybe a Burnley as as my barometer for next year. Uh, once again, I'm all about stability within the Premier League. Um, you can't run before you can walk. And the top six is a hard nut to crack at the moment. It's a very hard nut. You see that, like, Arsenal aren't in the top six at the moment. Um, Everton should be up there for the amount of money that they've spent and the manager that they have. So this is going to be a building process. This isn't like, the Premier League isn't like it was 10 years ago when uh, when you could, uh, basically just by the virtue of Aston Villa being a big club that we could maybe want or, or, or take our place there all the time. We are a very big club, but we do need to rebuild. We're still in a rebuilding phase at the moment. So for me, I would be looking, next year, I would be looking for stability, bringing in new players, forming an identity things like that are what i want to kind of look at more for this team yeah look great if we do a leicester on it or if we do a, a sheffield united on it and get maybe into a europa league spot that would be fantastic I, I i'll take that every day of the week but for my own expectations i would be looking for um mid uh, uh, uh in the top half, a top half finish in the, in the table, but I'm more so looking at the key acquisitions that we bring in and making sure that we, as I say, we are developing our Premier League identity so that we can have longevity as opposed to maybe just, you know, crossing our fingers, hoping that we finish in the Europa League. I would like this maybe if it is a slow burner, I'm OK with that. Let me just say off the back of that, right, you know, in terms of Jack Grealish, this is why I'm not. I'm not 100% certain he's leaving. I mean, obviously, there's going to have to be, like, big money that comes in for him. And I, I'll ask you guys about that. But, like, you look at you look at Arsenal, who, you know, haven't qualified for um, the Champions League. I mean, they could still do with the Europa League. You know, well, why, well, why are Lacazette and Aubameyang still there? You know, you look at you look at Everton. Why is Richarlison still there? Mm. You know, I you know this, this, this is the thing. You know, teams that aren't in the top six, teams that aren't cracking that, they still have their top players. They're still there. And I just I just wonder whether in the modern era, Villa can really afford to be selling their best players now. I think it depends on the player because you, you like some of those players, I think they like being kind of the top dog. Um, nonetheless, it could be a poor bunch of players. I think it could be that. Of course, it's definitely money with some of those players. Like you kind of can't discount that as well. <sighs> It's going to be interesting. Like like I said before, I think within the next week we're going to have an idea um, if Jack Grealish is staying. Because when does the transfer window open? Like, it's pretty soon. Like, within a few days, is it not? It's already it's open. Tomorrow, I think. Isn't it? Tomorrow? So. I, I think it opens. I think it's either tomorrow or the 29th, maybe. I think I read something like that. Um, 
27th or 29th. It, it opened, oh, no, it's it opened 27th, pretty yeah. rapidly. Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> so, like, it, it's coming quickly. So, like, we have an idea. Like, like I said before, it, things are going to move very quickly. Like, no one has time to mess around. I'm personally for me, um, and Neil, if you want to add your thoughts in right after I'm done talking, feel free. But like, I, it's going to be so interesting to see what prices are in this pandemic society because. I'm curious to see like if there's a drastic drop or if it kind of stays status quo. Yeah, it's it, that's that's it. You're you're going to wait for the first domino to fall and set the new market within the new coronavirus uh, stage of the world finances that we're in at the moment. But financial fair play is going to be going to be scrapped for this year. So there is, uh, I think, a lot of these clubs like the the money that's there is huge at the moment. Um, obviously Boris Johnson and people are talking about getting people back into stadia before Christmas. So it would all like, and this this is what I talk about when when I when I talk about Aston Villa and and what I what I mentioned previously, the likes of Bournemouth and Crystal Palace, and that that they could spend Premier League wages and and, and pay the money. So the, prim, the the transfer fees won't bankrupt your club because once you pay them, they're done, they're gone. And what happens is they're usually spread out over a couple of years. It's the wages that will kill you as a club. So paying high wages are the things that will actually kill you because you might have a good player, but you can't get him off your books because nobody wants to pay him the overinflated wages that you gave him or something along those lines. So you could be stuck with a player and the amortization of, of their value, of their actual financial value, not even just their 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 value on the playing field, could be decreasing at a rapid rate, um, you know, as, as that happens too. So for me, I, I it'll be interesting to see that the, the league or, or FIFA are trying to... Um, expedite or they're trying to, to create a kind of a stimulus within the actual football world I think by getting rid of financial fair play for this coming year so uh, if that wasn't done I think we would see meager transfer fees I think the transfer fees would drop which would be a shame and once again plays into the hands of um, would play would play into the hands of the bigger clubs because I don't think not having fans in the stadium is going to is going to affect them to the massive levels that it would affect somebody like like we see Wigan going into administration all because they don't have that game receipts you know Know, on, the, on on any given day so to kind of answer your question it'd be interesting to see uh who pulls the trigger first and i would imagine it might be a team like man united a team like man united are going to going to run off the back of uh the fact that they are in uh, the champions league now and they're going to want to make a statement and they're going to want to kind of announce that they are back in business again so it'll be interesting to see what they do who they sign if it's jordan sancho if there's a lot of rumblings about grealish um and whatever the case may be i think they're personally i think they're probably focusing on the wrong area of their field but this isn't the Nasty, or this isn't the Man United podcast, so let them do whatever they want as long as they keep their hands off Jack Grealish. Yeah, you know what? Let's let's end the uh, podcast a- a- after this question. Let's do it positively, guys. Neil, I'll come right back to you. Your favorite Villa moment this season? My favorite Villa moment this season, um, barring today, I would say Trezeguet's goal against um, in the semi final. Really enjoyed that. Uh, it was so late. It was a late, late winner, and uh, yeah, it really got me up off my seat. I remember you know, it was it was a time when we weren't exactly playing very well, and things were going against us. We had been a bad run of form, and Trezeguet's goal. I think that was probably um, the highlight of the season for me. Fair enough, Danny. How about you? So it's funny. I was going to say the exact same thing. Other than today, it's Trezeguet's goal against Leicester. It has to be. I mean, we've had few times this season where we've been the ones that have snatched it in the last minute. But it was beautiful because it was two of my, well, I don't know why I like them so much, but two two of my most like likable players. Not I'm not favourite because they're best, uh, they're the best. But El Mahamadi and Trezeguet, both of them connecting, and I think it was it, it was great to see because I remember that game as well. I was saying when El Mahamadi came on, I was saying El Mahamadi's going to score. He didn't, but got the assist. Uh, and yeah, that was um that was a huge moment for 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 me. Fair enough. What about um, you, Cole? there's there's a lot like just some of the goals this season have actually been like really super superb so like i'm happy with that so like uh do you go with the cons or the cons of ming's goal like the, the commentary wise that's brilliant of course the lester one is just as well up there if not higher uh do you go with jack grealish's curved goal um 
from the side of the box against United. Um, like, there's just so many moments, like, in the season. Like, if you look at the season, it's been, like, pretty poor. But there's been actually some really good moments. So, um, you know what? I'm probably going to have to go with Grealish's goal against United. I just, like, that has to been has to be one of mm-hmm. her best goals this season. Um, if I was going to say secondly, I'd probably say McGinn's against Spurs. I think it just started our life back in the Premier League so perfectly um, and kind of fit us to a T this season. Didn't really expect to do much, um, but somehow we got in there with a goal and kind of made ourselves known, um, albeit it was kind of a roller coaster from there. But nonetheless, it's been so enjoyable. And you know what? I couldn't really ask for more in terms of staying up but we'll wrap it up there thank you all for uh listening it's been about an hour so hopefully everyone actually listened um, and enjoyed it um all i can say from the deepest depths of my heart thank you all to everybody for getting involved for listening this season um it's been a crazy crazy ride a ride uh thank you very very much to uh james russian of course uh that's now left us but his input this season um can't be um unnoticed again huge claps all around to danny raza um He's been here for years. Without him, this podcast would have been just me, and no one wants to hear that. Uh, huge <laughs> thanks that. to Neil for uh, coming on here and saving the day a number of times and being a continual addition, and hopefully long may that continue because I do love having him on, and he speaks with such clarity and honesty, and I, I love that, getting different opinions on. And, yeah, um, it's been a great ride, guys, of course. Um, I would do the the normal kind of outro, but I think it's kind of best to end it like that. If you want to get involved, of course, it's at 7500 to Holt. You can email us, holtcastpod at gmail.com. But nonetheless, guys, the 2019-2020 season, it's done. It's dusted. We're on to the next one. We'll probably take a little break and be back for the next season again. But don't forget, up the villa. 